Let's Talk Care with Casper and Christy, produced in the Ed Center Auditorium. Opinions expressed by guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the host or Prometica. So we're back and we have a great guest with us today, Donna Damsky. We'll kick it off to you, Donna. If you could just tell us about what you do for the organization, introduce yourself a little bit and... Sure. Well, good morning, everybody. And it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I work for Organizational Excellence, which is an arm of HR. And in my arm, I take care of a lot of leadership development components throughout all of the system, not just clinical areas, but finance, IT. I'm spending a lot of time in Paramount these days. And I work with teams as teams, but also leaders of teams. And we've gone through so much transition here in the last few years that I spend a lot of times in networking and meshing new teams together. And then the other side of my responsibility is I do a lot of executive coaching with our providers physicians, nurse practitioners. And one of the things that I haven't realized till recently is that we actually have over 600 APPs, which is awesome to have for our organization. So I do a lot of time with one-on-one coaching with providers of all natures, and they can come to me either if they're stressed out or burned out. They also come to me if they want to go through a leadership development component. Also, though, if they're struggling within an office or within a floor or a surgical suite, I often get referred to providers to work with them as well to try to find out what really we can do to support them. So when you say APPs, you're talking like nurse practitioners, physician assistants. Correct. That's quite a large scope there. Absolutely. It's just amazing. I knew that we had a lot, and I think it can be a win-win, and I think we need to do a much better job continuing to involve and create and support them. I think it's really awesome. There have been a great group of folks to work with, and they really are dedicated to their craft, no question about it. Well, you do an amazing job. You've helped me personally in a lot of ways, not just with leadership development, which I continue to need help with. <laughs> understand that. But even, you know, personally, professionally, burnout, all that stuff, we've had some great times and conversations together. I almost think of you as like my therapist to some extent. Mm-hmm. And how'd you get into this? What's your background as far as that goes? I have come from years and years. I'm actually a certified chemical dependency counselor. And so I started in that world quite some time ago, probably in the 90s, where I was actually here at Toledo at the old alcohol and drug treatment center years ago from 89 to 96. And then it's transformed from there. And I was the EAP for St. Luke's for 18 years of my career. But what I have found, what I really enjoy now is it's different. I don't look at it so much anymore as counseling. I look at it much more as coaching. It's a different piece. And sometimes when you counsel, it may be a variety of things of emotional health, but it also may have a lot to do with process and structure. So I get called often in to work with, say, a physician, for example, maybe about a behavior or comments or whatever, but I really look at structure of what's going on. And sometimes I may get called in for structure, but it comes out as behavior. And so a lot of people will just look at it as counseling them. I actually look at it a little differently than what I used to from knowing both ends of that spectrum to really try to do what I can to coach them and look at some structure and process. And then it really helps to reduce their stress. Yeah, you do a great job of it. That's for sure. We need more of you. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. I thought that maybe actually during the pandemic that it might slow down a bit because we went so much to the virtual world, but actually the opposite happened. It exploded even more so. And I actually remember meeting some physicians at their house in the middle of the windstorm outside, 20 feet apart over a bonfire. Anything I could do to provide support, I think we need to do that more often. We just got to be and meet people where they are more often. 
Well, along those same lines with the pandemic, you gave an analogy to me that I've kind of taken and used in many leadership meetings and discussions about things because we are starting to see from a behavioral perspective some more aggressiveness, mm-hmm. whether that's staff to staff or patient to staff. And you made the analogy to me, and I, I kind of took it a step further and said it's like a football game, mm-hmm. right? You don't see any scuffle during the play. It's always after the whistle blows, and as COVID has kind of, knock on wood, quieted down a little bit, I think people are starting to reveal some of the stressors and the burnout that's kind of occurred of the intensity of the last two years. There's no question to me that I hopefully, and I knock on wood as well, but I definitely have had many reach out to me, not only providers or physicians, but also leaders throughout the system that for a long time, maybe I really didn't like Dr. Casper for the last 18 months, but I haven't said anything because we have all been 24-7 dedicated and all hands on deck for COVID. And now as we're beginning to come out, as you say, I hope more so when people breathe, now that they're breathing, all the emotions are coming in. And so now I'll really say, I really don't like him, but I just haven't told you. <laughs> yeah, it's like the end of the fight or flight. So yes, your, all sure. your emotions are settling. And... Yeah. So I've been asked for a lot of calls out, Christy, for culture work within the entire system, really, not just clinical, but we've all been affected personally or professionally with COVID somewhere along the line, I would think. You know, we hear that a lot, culture work. Well, we got to change the culture. We have to change the culture. It's a slow moving thing. And Mm -hmm. how do we do that? What are some of the things that you have come across that helps that culture change when you want to move the needle? During COVID, in the middle of COVID, it was really interesting. The visibility of leadership was massive. And the nurse, if you can recall, we had cars everywhere, right? Honking horns and applauding nurses from the outside. And that visibility was huge. I heard it throughout the nursing ranks as well as the physician ranks, that visibility of senior leadership is really, really critical. And so I think we cannot forget that. And we need to continue those pieces that we can continue to let people know that we know what they do for sure. And the other part to that though, is when you ask people if they feel recognized for their efforts, most people in healthcare, because it is a different industry, most people in healthcare say, I don't, they don't come for the recognition. But What's important is that it's genuine and authentic. And so we just can't rubber stamp things sometimes. It's really important that whatever it is, just really a genuine thank you is really what people strive for because healthcare is not like a job. It's more of a vocation or a passion. Mm-hmm. What fills people's buckets in healthcare primarily is the ability to give. And so that's really, those are some real things in terms of leadership keys for me that I have found really to be helpful. And I see leaders find success when they keep those things in top of mind. Interesting. It reminds me, we were on a golf trip once and a buddy asked me, he goes, tell me about a great surgical save you had. And I started thinking about it and I couldn't come up with one. Lord knows, trust me, in 20 years, I have had probably a couple, but I couldn't really remember one. And I said, because we focus all the time on what could we do different and what could we do better? We have morbidity and mortality conferences every week, and we talk about our complications, and we look back and with a fine-tooth comb go, what could we have intervened at a different point to change that outcome? And we never celebrate our victories, to your point. But I think that shows the resilience of a lot of healthcare workers that we, we do it not for the recognition, but we expect to save people and take great care of them, and we want to do it all the time, not 98% of the time. Mm-hmm. It's been really interesting, just as a specific group. I look at anesthesia and all of anesthesia, CRNAs, anesthesiologists, and the pressure that they're often under. And when COVID hit, they went right up from a really stressful job where they have minimal time to be able to actually make contact with a patient and their family. Like, hello, nice to meet you. Goodbye. And they go out. 
mm-hmm. right? But then they went right up to the COVID units, intubating patients at that time who were really struggling for sure. And that was one unusual piece. And then the second unusual piece is they also became surrogate families, which that's not the norm for them because no one was allowed to visit. People who were really struggling, they also had to serve that role. Then when we came back live, like in the June or July of that year, I think we were something like 20,000 cases behind. So the pressure just then amped up again. Mm -hmm. So as to your point, both of your points, really the concept of I think about them a lot because I sense that there's the pressure is a little different there. And it is in all areas, but that one that sticks out for me a lot because of the type of work that they actually do. Yeah. Well, to your point, I mean, the ebbs and flows of elective cases on again, off again, and the backlog of that that comes in puts tremendous pressure on the operating room workflow and case volumes have been very high and anesthesia's had to manage that with their own workforce management issues. Taking the supply and medication shortages as well. That too. And I look at what happened at the beginning of COVID. Some of our anesthesia care docs, Marla Mittal is one that comes to mind, just put the armor on and ran headfirst into that fire. Mm -hmm. And Paul Pering did an amazing job organizing and helping coordinate that clinical command center that we had. A lot of CRNAs were working in there as well. And they were the ones that were on the innovation teams on the front line. So really, really courageous. And obviously it's been going on for a long time. For a non-clinical person like myself, I'm in total awe every day of being around all providers, but also to the nursing staff and the work that they all have done and continue to do on a regular basis with the reach outs of leaders like yourselves on a regular basis, how valuable that has been. And I just think it's an amazing thing. And what's stuck and sticks in my mind are two thoughts. The first thought is we need to always be aware to give each other a little bit more grace. And that's been a guiding word for me through COVID. And then second part is to know how important it is to be a team. We can do a lot of things to take care of ourselves individually, but I've never met a bigger stress reducer in my life than being a team. So kudos to all who have been in healthcare. Really, it's been amazing to me. I look at Christy when you say that. I know. I, just I was about, too. Yeah, you just think she about knows. the National Guard and oh my pulling gosh. that off. And- I hear about it all the time still. Really? Absolutely. Me too. I really, really do. So Well, it took my team. It wasn't just me. My team is the one that helped get all that going together. So Mm -hmm. definitely being a part of a team makes it easier to come to work every day and do a good job. Just the feel that they brought and through your leadership that they brought is still reverberating through all of the hospitals that I'm aware of, at least. For sure. That's not even yeah. a, well that's done. Not, well actually, that's done. not even a joke. That's like for real. <laughs> you can't blush in a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, no. That's a lot. You said you worked at St. Luke's for 18 years and you were a counselor and you turned into coaching. Like you're pretty popular. So <laughs> everyone knows Donna Damsky. Tell me some of your most memorable stories or some of the things that kind of got you in the position that you're in today. I think a driving principle, honestly, for me. And I like to pride myself in being a teammate, to be honest. But really is what's important to me is that I'm effective versus being popular. And I, I like having fun and joking around. And I think that people do miss Nomer. And when you look and do predictive index surveys or Hogan's or other different types of surveys, if you see my extroversion, people would assume that I'm off to the right, high, off to the right with an arrow. But the truth is I'm dead center in the fulcrum. And I thought and reflected upon that in my career, honestly. And I thought what people don't know is that most days I eat lunch alone. And I think it's really, I thought about it, like maybe just I didn't have any friends, but I think it really- need that time to reset. Like I'm an introvert as well. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Most people don't realize that, but you need that alone time to reset. 
Yeah, I have done it my whole career. In particular, I think back when I was a drug and alcohol counselor here with adolescents, I always had lunch alone just to kind of gather myself. And, and I think that's part of it, though, in terms mm-hmm. of single success. I can tell you, not only in this world now, but back in the day, I remember one time my wife and I went to Ralphie's restaurant for dinner with my daughters. And this waitress came up and she slammed the silverware on the table. And I'm like, what did I, I, I'm a nice guy. Like you say, Chrissy, why would anybody do that to me? And she came back and she slammed our drinks on the table. I'm like, to my wife, Michelle, I go, do you know her? She's like, I don't know her. And then the third time I'm like, wait a minute, did I like do something to you? that I don't know. She was, you're my therapist 17 years ago and you were really tough and I am 17 years sober. And I just had to give you crap because you gave me a bunch of crap. So I'm just oh, messing wow. with it. She started crying and gave me a hug and it <laughs> was the funniest crazy. thing. And that was definitely humbling yeah. for me, for sure. Yeah. What a way to get your attention. <laughs> she, was, she got my attention. She was <laughs> trying to get a reaction out of you. She did. She did. <laughs> Speaking of your two daughters, you've got one in Bloomington. That's Bloomington, my Indiana. alma mater, IU. Oh, wow. Yeah. I it's was there yesterday. Town. Were you? Yeah. We just were over there for the weekend, and that was really interesting, too. My daughter, she had her pregnancy and her delivery all through COVID, wow. which was really challenging. And then once she was born, difficulty with the food. And they were dealing with somebody up in Indianapolis way, but it was 24-7 crying and there's no help. There was no doctor. Mm. I mean, there was no daycare. Everything was shut down. And then I'm like, we got to do something. So I found Dr. Kumar. I don't know if you know Dr. Kumar here. He's one of our pediatric GI docs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Turned their world, my world around. He was awesome on a televisit. And there's still patients to this day. And my granddaughter is just awesome. So, yeah. So that one and my other one got married in oh, August of congrats. last year. Yeah, so that was really cool. She, uh, about three months ago, called me and said, Dad, I don't feel special anymore. And I'm like, Pocketbook says you were pretty special. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're really cool and great to see them. We always have fun. Good yeah, for you. Thanks for asking. And you like to golf? I do. I love to golf. And we have to play golf sometimes. Well, for sure. I've been I'd love to, to golf do it. a little. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe not. Uh, There's golf mentioned on every podcast. <laughs> Is that how we connect <laughs> the dots here? Yeah. We're talking I about addiction. Like the <laughs> addiction therapy. The addiction <laughs> therapy. Yeah, I could use yeah. some of that. <laughs> I, I do the tin cup typically when I'm around a pond. I just keep it in and, and over and over and over. But yeah, and what's really neat about that, when I was here from 89 to 96, at Toledo Hospital. My wife and I, and she was the only woman on the league with us, we golfed together on the golf league here from Toledo Hospital at Ottawa Park. Oh, fantastic. And so that's one thing. I we... can't believe you don't have that up and going, Casper. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, let's league? get about it. We could do that. Let's do that. It was a great time. So many years. And that's one thing we've always done together, and then we still do. And so she and I do golf a lot. And it's just a way to get away from everything. We actually shut our phones off. Because if not, Dr. Kaspers will call me and say, hey, you got a minute? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me putt. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So, yeah, we love it. And it's just you can do it young, old to whatever age, you know. So exactly we do. Right. We do do it. Oh, it's fun. You Do you golf, Christy? No, I can't even putt-putt. <laughs> I'll teach you. Happy to. I like teaching. All right. Well, I'll take you up on it because I feel like I'm missing out because we do talk golf on every single podcast as mentioned. Watch out for the windmill holes where the windmill's going. (laughs) The clown's mouth. (laughs) You mentioned something earlier, Don, which I just wanted to put a plug out there, the predictive index. Mm -hmm. And you and I had had some conversations, I know, in the past about Mm -hmm. some of these personality assessments and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. 
you then took my, I say my team, but the management team at Jobst through that, which was awesome. Our executive mm-hmm. team, as we call it. Then we did it with the physician group Correct. as well. And that took two different groups. Mm-hmm. But you do an amazing job explaining that. But I think what I found is a huge value for that is, yes, you learn a lot about yourself in that and what your tendencies are. But more importantly, you learn about your teammates' tendencies. And that probably helps you interact better with them in a lot of ways is what I took out of it. Yeah, for sure. Since then, and even right in the middle of that, it's exploded in a lot of ways, the way I use it, at least. And I know there's other areas in the system that use it too, but it is a brief survey. I've had some employees, leaders say, Don, I have working on this thing, this PI thing. And so how long you been working on it? Oh, no more than 40 minutes. And I'm like, that should take you five. So <laughs> oh, I just want to do it right. And so it's really an interesting thing, but that really has been amazing how I do it with teams and the value that has come from the team readbacks. So everyone's plotted on four different quadrants as a team, and it really lets you know, are we process-oriented or are we relational-oriented or are we focused on other things and our results? And it's really interesting to see how the team works together. And once you do that, it makes you realize that we got a great team for sure, and we all are needed. I'll never forget with Dr. Casper when I was doing it with his leadership team, one of the things that his point was plotted on was justifying. And he's like, this really bothers me that this is up here. <laughs> but the thing about the predictive index is that it's all good. It's just a snapshot in time. And then the feedback, though, which made it powerful, was the feedback for his team. And what he meant is to say, if we have a point, prove it, and then we'll go forward. And the feedback that he got from his team is like, this is exactly where we need you to be. Thank you for being there. And not that he got emotional at all in there, but I believe he did. <laughs> Honestly, because the feedback from your leaders was remarkable. So yeah, I've continued to do that. And actually, it's been interesting that I've done it for some teams twice, because some now have wanted to see how COVID has impacted them. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's been really interesting because most times if you take it, it doesn't change a whole lot. But COVID can be one of those Mm -hmm. once in a generation or once in a century type things. And it has changed people a bit. I've done it with many leadership teams throughout our entire system at this point. I've taken it twice. It's yep. interesting as part of the leadership development and then mm-hmm. also with you and the Jobs team. Mm-hmm. I probably did get emotional. I cry at commercials. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's overwhelming. It, I mean, you can see like, God, we really do care about what's going on because you don't always know how you're doing as a leader. Well, and you have such a great way of disarming the room. You're getting that and it's personal. Mm-hmm. And people, I think, look at it as a... You know, it's not judgmental no, in no, any way. No. And you have a great way of, I think, disarming the room about that. So the feedback starts coming back. And I just found it to be really a great team growth exercise. And I just can't compliment you enough on how well you do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can take it literally and then do strategic planning from it. And I've done that many times with many leadership teams at a variety of hospitals or other leadership teams. And I'm doing it right now with SDOH and Kate Sommerfeld and her team. And soon we'll be doing the strategic planning piece. And it's really neat that you can then what can we focus on now for this year or for the next couple of years? And it's been really valuable, I think, to them. And it's great to do when people enjoy it. So I enjoy it. It's always more fun to do stuff that way. I don't like talking at people. I like talking with them. You do have a way of engaging people and letting them put their guard down and getting them to open up is definitely a talent that you have. Could you call my wife and tell her? No, no, no. Absolutely. I'm more of a texter. That's that introvert coming out. So yeah. I can text her. Oh, no. If 
if a leadership team mm-hmm. wanted to contact you and render your services on coming to evaluate their team and look at how they can build and focus and strategic plan, how would they do so? The easiest way really is emailing me. Many already have my cell phone, so they often text. But emailing me is probably the best way. Or they go through their HR ops. I work very closely with all HR operation folks, Toledo or wherever they are. It could be system or now it's going to be Barb King a lot with the acute cares. So often then they'll refer as well. But many leaders also reach out on their own. And then once we do that, a lot of them will say that we need some team building. And I don't take that for face value. That's why I always like to come in and evaluate myself a little bit in some way, in a variety of different ways to make sure that's really what they're looking for or needing. I don't like putting Band-Aids on struggles or challenges. I'd rather make sure that we focus on the right things and not throw spaghetti on a wall and see what sticks, but let's make sure that we're hitting the right pieces. And then I think I've done enough over the years where I can say, okay, let's head down this path or what I value and what I think people value the most, but they also don't have the most is their time. So I never like being too intrusive because people are busy, you know, and I don't want to create stress by me coming to create stress. I want to reduce I'm looking always at how can we do a time saver, but really with always the focus being on what's best for the patients and how do we get there. I want to be more helpful and resourceful for everybody that I work with, not just the physicians, but all leaders and teams. Would you say that you're more targeted at the leadership team of a certain department, or do you expand your services to the entire team? I like sticking, really, because they're one of me. I like trying to do my best to understand where the leaders are coming from. Mm -hmm and assimilating them, especially when there's been so many leadership changes at times that make sure that those teams mesh, because if they can be aligned, all the leaders, then it's going to be able to impact their employees or their staff better. Not that they never work with all staff either. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes when I finally present, it's not just to the leadership team, but it really is to all staff too. And maybe sometimes I'll even start there, but it just depends. I want to make sure that I nail it to make sure I'm giving people what they need. What I care about is that you feel fulfilled in what you're doing. And so I don't, I try to be a, dig a little deeper. Happiness will come from that, obviously. But I try to dig a little deeper to make sure it's worth valuable and it's really benefits not only you, but your patients and everyone that we touch and all the caregivers. Yeah. That may, I hope that made sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> My moon's aligned eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that fulfillment thing is yeah. so important. Obviously, mm-hmm. we talk about it. I say that fulfillment thing, but no fulfillment in your it's work. Jerk. And your home life, everything. Do you use Kamano? Uh-huh, I do. Yeah, yeah I do. Me Research. too. Yeah. I found that to be pretty good yeah, from a purposeful me. perspective. Yeah, it helps me. When I get stressed, I don't typically get angry. Some people get short-tempered. I know when I'm kind of hitting my point when I'll leave for work in the morning and my wife will run out and say, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to work. And she'll do that. She'll ask me that three times. And she's like, well, don't you like need your keys? So when that happens to me or something like that happens to me two or three times in a short period of time, I know that I need to reevaluate. And that's where Kumano and Resourceful have helped me out quite a bit, just to recalibrate, just to bring it back down a little bit. Do you want to give our listeners an overview of what that is? So it's an app that I have, and I was on the pilot originally, and you can check in every day, and it's all about wellness and understanding what is your purpose each day, actually. I look at it as each day, but it does then overall look for a period of time and really what's your purpose overall, and not only just in work, but your life, and make sure you're heading in directions that you really want to head. If you see some things and you notice it as you do it each day, you I go it, not every day, I'll be honest, but a lot of days, just to make sure I'm doing those things that really center me 
because that's important for me to be able to be helpful to you that I'm centered, Mm -hmm. you know, so I take it seriously and I always have, and just trying to look for those things that help me feel fulfilled and purposed. I don't like just to do, to do. I don't like to do that because everyone and myself are included in our business. I'll make sure it's for a reason and for the right reason. Yep. And is this app available for everyone? Mm, I think it is now. Right. Yeah. It's a partnership with Medica and Kamano, which is with Vic Strecker, who's Mm -hmm. a Correct. PhD psychologist up at the University of Michigan yep. who's helped develop this. And it's just really recently expanding. And I think last mm-hmm. week was Wellness Week or My Wellbeing Week or whatever. And it was really cool. The podcast and all the different lunch and learns that were out there for the week were really very valuable. And we're getting great feedback about it. Good. It works. It does. I get the emails every day, but... I don't know if all the staff know about it or it's been very publicized, I would say. I know the pilot group was very small Mm -hmm. and then it expanded. Yeah. So I think they're really focusing on that now, really, Mm -hmm. to try to make sure that our employees really begin to know what we do offer in terms of support on a regular basis. You know, and I think it's really important that we continue to improve. may feel like you're doing well, but think often about the the nurses at the bedside, how hard is it sometimes for them to get on an email when they're at the bedside all day? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they're tired. So I think that's why they're trying to make it much more portable and on your own time and when you feel free and then helps really address your purpose as well. So I think that there's definite efforts out there to try to get it more well publicized and not only what it is, but why. And I think that's where the connections really are being made now. Well, I think those things you know, are reflective of the highest levels of our organization understanding the importance of that mm-hmm. for the workforce and also understanding the difficulties and the stresses that certainly all of our employees are under, not just during the pandemic, but in daily life and what we do for a living. Healthcare is not the least stressful environment. We deal with some pretty significant things. And Well, you know, and right helps. now, as we were talking earlier, the whole concept of hopefully coming out of COVID, I really believe that really just on the tip of the iceberg right now of mental health and emotional issues related to it. So I think this is really the best timing of all for the purposeful and resourceful and every other kind of support. Our EAP has done an amazing job program for all our employees, but I think right now is when we're all really concerned the most. I think we're just, even though we know there's been a lot, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg with a lot of that. So right now the timing of increased advertising and availability and access for all employees is like really the perfect time. Yeah, I think you're right. You look at our pediatric population and certainly everybody's kids and whatnot Mm -hmm. going through COVID. That isolation, that lack of inter- social interaction, I don't think we've yet to see what the impact of that is long term for sure. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of virtual things during COVID and I can remember with a whole group of like 40 physicians, I did something virtual and talked, I call it Get a Grip is the name of the program that I do. And in that it has two or three slides talking about isolation, paying attention to isolation. And you're, if you're isolating or Dr. Casper, you're finding yourself isolating and I talk about it, and after I did that, I had like 12 phone calls, like I'm, I'm doing it. And so then I was able to refer them to EAP, and I think I would challenge everybody out there. Right now is a really important time if you see coworkers or, if, or even family members and you notice that they're isolating. Hey, just ask. It's okay to ask. And I think if we can do that, we're going to help a lot. We're going to help each other out, and it will actually begin to really galvanize teams that maybe are not even more. So I do that every time now when I speak. I talk about isolating yourselves. And it's really important that we pay attention to it. Agreed. Easily done. And it's kind of slow moving, so you don't really recognize right. it. Right. Me included, for sure. Thank you for being with us today. It sure. is, you're definitely a valuable resource for Thank Promotica. You. And we just wanted to give an opportunity for more people to know who you are and what you do and 
Do you have any like closing remarks that you want our audience to know? I just appreciate this, honestly, that you're doing this and humbled to be asked, for sure. The one thing that is running through my head literally right now is that I feel like I often walk around with a dustpan and a broom. And all I really think employees want each and every day is to be able to come to work. And if there are eggshells on the floor, how do we sweep them up? Because I think all people want is just to be able to come in and do their thing. That's the first thing. And then secondly, for me, I want everybody to be able to go home if it's nighttime to enjoy your evening, or if it's in the daytime to enjoy your daytime. So whenever you're not working, to find a way to enjoy that as compared to worrying about work every second of the day. The more we can do that and the more we all support, and you do, both of you, Dr. Casper and Christy, you do such a great job of that anyway. I think we need to continue to do it more for all of us. I mean, it's a, it's a amazing work that you all do. So I'm glad just to be a part. Don, thank you. Yes, That's thank you fantastic. so much. It was great. We really appreciate it. it. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Ratings and comments on those platforms will help us grow the podcast, and we appreciate the boost. Take Take care. care.